0: You've got it. We are back. Welcome to the Dare to Fail podcast. I got a guest over here. And he's probably not the guest I would normally interview. However, I have Mr. Jason Pulowski here today, and he has a master's degree. He is a registered dietitian. And he is a really awesome guy doing some really amazing things with this, especially now. he just pu- You got just published a book, too, am I correct? A few months ago, yeah. Yeah, it's Foods for Thought, Understanding the Impact of Diet and Lifestyle on Mental Health. And I think because mental health is such a big issue right now, everything—and I was just talking to you just recently. I'm like, myself, I'm dealing with all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of stuff going on just with things that— you know that have happened, you know, in our country and everything with the pandemic, politics, all that stuff. And um, I, you know, we have a little bit of a background together. I know like where you came from and where I came from and the people we hung out with and all this stuff. And now I'm like, I'm sitting across the way from you. You got a master's degree. You're doing all this great stuff. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? You know, because <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, it, you know, we came from Peoria, Arizona. I mean, I know some people who did some stuff with their life, but not very many. You know you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate that. And yeah. So glad to be here with you today. It's, it's an honor. Thanks. Yeah. I, I super appreciate uh, you um, reaching out and getting this going. It's definitely been an impetus to, to get this podcast up and running again. So I, I just want to ask you like real quick, what got you into nu- nutrition of all, of all the things? You know uh, that started early uh,
1: when I when I began at junior college. I went to Glendale Community College right out of high school. I really didn't have any direction at that point. Go Guacos, right. Uh, yeah, or Gauchos. And, guys, the yeah. guacos.
0: that's
1: the other team. <laughs> and you know, and funny because my my original intention was to go into radiology, is to be an X ray tech, and I understand that's you know that's where you started your yes, career. Yes, that. Yep. So that was kind of my original intention. Didn't really exactly know where I wanted to go with that. Um, but then as soon as I started studying at community college, that's when it kind of sparks the interest in fitness. So that's when I kind of took a different route. I wanted to become certified uh, as a personal trainer. And I did that my first initial few semesters there. And then um, continue or beginning to work as a personal trainer in gyms in those early college years, um, that's when I really, it evolved to much more than that and more to the nutrition piece of it and understanding and appreciating that science and how impactful what we eat. Um, it's not, not only to helping the folks I was trying to help in the gym accomplish what they were working on, but understanding that it impacts so many facets of our life. Our energy, our our, our mood, our ment- our well-being, well, the mental well-being that came later on in my career. We'll get to that, but I wasn't understanding it that early. But that's kind of the onset of that passion. I see. That's that's
0: amazing. So and like you said, it's like this whole holistic approach, you know, to everything, like the psychology, the physical. And so how important is the things that we eat that we put in into our body that that help us with, you know, like our moods or anxiety or depression or how important is it? Yeah, I,
1: I think it's critically important, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm a bit biased here. And, um, you know, and, and uh, but, you know, in terms of, you know, how related it is, you know, there, there's some strong correlations and we have a lot of correlationary research. But, you know, in terms of the cause and fact, I I really got to be careful how I talk about it there. You know, because let me start with this caveat that, you know, mental health is a, is a, is a very complex or different complex disorders we're talking about. So, you know, as I often say in group therapy, I'm not here to tell you that what we eat is necessarily the cure or the cause to what we are dealing with mental health disorders wise. Um, but more than likely, it's a significant piece of the puzzle. It's, it's one of those factors we got to take a closer look at. We have to unpack the, that science and, 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 and continue to evolve that science to where we are, in my opinion. I think just years around the corner, hopefully, we're going to start establishing guidelines, you know, nutrition for mental health, and really start to solidify what that really means since right. it's kind of in the early stages of that in the science,
0: relatively speaking. Well, I want to give you a lot of respect right there because you just said something that is incredibly important in, in terms of understanding research and data is um, correlation versus causation. Um, just for you know folks like listening, if you're if you're not really up to to speed on that, correlation is not, you know uh, in terms it's you can say things are related, but you can't necessarily say one causes the other. It's like uh, what I learned in statistics was shark attacks and ice cream sales, right? It was like, as ice cream sh- uh, sales go up, shark attacks go up, right? But one's not causing the other. Is it the weather? Is it random chance? I mean, you don't know. And you wouldn't know until you did like some really hardcore, you know, empirical, like uh, uh, the scientific method stuff. But I know personally, I know everybody knows who's listening, that if when I'm down, when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling anxious or whatever, one of the things that I notice that right off the bat is my diet. You know, things like, how much caffeine did I have today, or how much junk food am I craving today? It's like when I am and I'm not doing well, it's like these things start to come in. It's like, am I eating emotionally, or you know, things that that's and it and then you get into this cycle. Of it's like, wow, you know, like how do I get out of this? Because what you know, everybody is stressed out right now. Everybody is stressed out. I mean, things are changing. They they seem to continuously change. You know, like pretty much every day we see something different or you know something new that's coming about. And as an artist or just as a person who just wants to be positively moving forward, and that's on his website, because Jason, of course, he has a website, uh, which I will put in the comments and everything so you can find him, but at foodsforthoughtrd.com, thank you, um, is to have sustainable lifestyle change. So for people out there who are kind of new to all this stuff, I mean, how can we get started on that? Like, say that, say that you, I mean, I've never even really read a nutrition, I'm not gonna lie to you, okay? I've, I've heard stuff, I mean, Dr. Oz, all this crap, you know, but like, if you're starting off new, what, what would you say would be the first steps to try to like, isolate maybe how you could do things better? Or maybe if there's something specifically going on, that's that's not working for you?
1: Yeah, that, that can be challenging, you know, because I find, you know, a lot of times like I'll, I'll, I'll go to group therapy, for example, and I'll have this, this, this open discussion with like maybe, you know, anywhere from four to 12 people is pretty average in a group. Um, but, you know, I, I find that, you know, we talk about all these links and then maybe at the end of that discussion, there's usually a few people with that. Overwhelmed look on their face, like they really just don't know. I would be one of them.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I understand nutrition can feel overwhelming. You know, we talk about this, like you know, beautifully looking balanced plate and all these veggies and fruits, and maybe we don't eat any of them. Maybe we, we don't like any whole grains. Maybe we don't like fish or nuts or seeds, right? You know, so I think that can be somewhat overwhelming if we feel like we're far away from this model healthy diet. You know, so I I try to always take a step back at that point after we discuss what it really means. And then how can we really focus more on baby steps? You know, so baby steps. Yeah, I've heard you talk about this many times. And, you know, it might sound, you know, trite or cliche to a lot of people, perhaps, but it's important. It's It's, profound.
0: everything man. it's like, you know, if you're going to go upstairs, you don't jump 10 steps, right? You go up to the second step and then the third. And then, you know, you get a little further and you get a little bit better. Okay, so I like that. I like that um, philosophy for sure. Um, and so in terms of, like, the mental health aspect of things, is there something that from sugar or from the junk food specifically that, you know, is it like a chicken or the egg sort of thing, right? Are you, are you depressed so you crave foods? Or are you craving foods because you're depressed, you know? How do you break – like – For me, to kind of break that cycle, I feel sometimes like I just have to force it. You know what I mean? I just have to say, like, you know, enough is enough. I'm not going to eat any more ice cream today or whatever, you know. But um, does when you start to eat healthy, does that start to change your brain and change the way that you you feel about these things and then you don't crave the junk as much or – very well can, yes.
1: And, and I want to take a little step back here, you know, just going back to your first question where you asked me just, um, I don't remember exactly how you worded it there, but, you know, how is this or why is this so critical or why, or why is yeah. this link important? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I often have to check myself here because I have my own personal biases, my own personal convictions, and, and sometimes there's a little bit of a gap with, you know, with what I know as objective, consensual science, and I have to focus mostly on as a trained scientist. So... I have to be careful there to not speak too much to my personal convictions and the anecdotes I've seen with individuals in
0: clinic, you know, so cuz there's I, I, informa- there's you know you're getting information from you know you go on YouTube you get a commercial about some supplement or some trainer is on there, you know, or it's like anybody including myself can start a podcast or can make a website and say, you know, this is I got all this information and you know this is what you should do and none of them are trained scientists as you are or registered as, as you are.
1: And I want to pause on that term because I feel like that term scientist is confusing to some folks and they might just picture me in a lab and I'm just, he's you know. He's here
0: in a lab coat. Uh, <laughs> he's got a pocket protector. I didn't want to let him in the door, but, you know, I felt bad. No, I didn't. So he's, he's a normal guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I mean, just to clarify, I
1: have never been a practicing scientist. What I mean by that is, you know, I. I, I Uh, Successfully completed my master's of science in human nutrition, so I did have to, you know, learn the research methodologies, the fundamentals of how to objectively critique science. Yes, I spent some time in the lab, uh, you know, in those couple years in graduate school, designing my own studies, evaluating other studies. Um, You know, that was kind of the bulk of our curriculum in master's of science program. Was just taking in too many research studies and just trying to, you know, digest them and uh, really make sense out of them, and critique them. So that was kind of the bulk of my master's program there. And that's what I mean by being a competent or a trained scientist, but I have never been a practicing scientist outside of my master's. So Got it. Qualified to objectively critique the research that's out there and essentially pick apart the, some yeah. of the misleading or mis- misinformation out there that we so abundantly see in the media that is you know, shaping a lot of our opinions
0: and beliefs and convictions. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, always some form of Adkins diet. Now it's called, like, paleo, right? So now it's all, like, I, so from my, like, rudimentary understanding of nutrition, the stuff that I have learned, you can tell me if, it's, if, I, if this is awful or, or, you know, kind of onto something or whatever, but, like, mostly it's whole foods, you know, stay away from processed stuff, sugar, which is, like, the bane of my existence because, you know, It tastes so freaking good. (laughs) Um, Whole foods, uh, organic foods or more locally sourced sort of things and um, fruits and vegetables. I mean, mostly going back to like kind of the whole foods, like lower ingredients, lower processed stuff, um, drinking enough water, stuff like that. I drink like a gallon of green tea. I know that can't be good for me, but there's no sugar in it. And uh, it makes my life better. At least I think I do. It does.
1: And yeah. frankly, Brandon, I think you, you simplified it pretty well right there. I think you, you kind of outlined some of the, the main fundamentals that I highlight and, and unpack a bit more, but I, I think you did a really well, well job of, you know, focusing on some of the most important things. So let me kind of reiterate that that's mostly bulking up our diet with whole foods, plant based. And let me pause on that because I'm not here to advocate a vegan or vegetarian diet like some people might misconstrue that. Um, Now, granted, that might be a healthy approach for many people, but frankly, not for all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I would, I I get it. Like, I I get like more vegetables are healthy and everything. But man, (laughs) especially growing up eating meat and like liking, you know, the way that it tastes and everything. But like, I can see how it's really easy to get in trouble eating so much of it. Like every single meal you have some form of meat, you know what I mean? And I can see how that cannot be healthy for you, obviously, because of cholesterol and high in fat, and depending on what the meat is and you know things of that nature. It,
1: it, and I guess to that point, it's really the off balance. You know, It's it's the fact that many Americans, and I'm speaking broadly to most of us in the standard American diet, we eat far too much protein. Um, and that was one of the three principles I tried to too boil my book down. Too
0: much protein? Well,
1: it, well, let me pause on that. Part, yeah, um, particularly coming from animal-based proteins. Okay. So now to have a little bit extra protein in our diet it's not a big concern. But what we see in some longevity studies and, you know, pop, like uh, epidemiological studies, for example, um, we see that folks who take, for long periods of time, excessive intakes of animal-based proteins, and maybe that's displacing enough of those veggies and fruits on that other half of the plate. Uh, that can, is strongly associated with developing heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and basically the whole gamut of the chronic diseases that plague Americans and other developed nations, uh, most of the main killers of us. Right, right. So, again, that's correlation. You know, so Not we kind of, can't say cause right. and effect. You know, people will ask me, does meat <sighs> yeah. cause cancer? No, we, don't, we can't say that. But is excessive meat in our diet increasing our chances of
0: getting cancer? Perhaps so. Right and then it would be like well how often do you exercise what are other lifestyle factors where do you live you know just are you drinking water are you drinking clean water are you around you know environmental or do you work around radiation <laughs> so know? many other things <laughs> to consider you're yeah. right yeah but um i always go back to you know what the whole, what the hell is the whole point of all this and in my opinion it's just just like you said in your mission statement it's just sustainable lifestyle change like a positive balanced, you know, I don't want to eat bok choy and lime juice for the rest of my life just so I live to be 110, but, you know, I never eat another piece of pizza again, you know. (laughs) Um, So is this kind of what made you write this, write your book? Is that, this was kind of the impetus was kind of getting at these fundamentals?
1: Yes. uh, You know, it's funny because, you know, even just three years ago, I would say right before I I, I started to outline this book, I, I... Never had the idea that I was going to become an author this early in my career. I, I seen in the back of my mind at the tail end of my career, maybe. But then, the impetus I, I suppose kind of sprung out in my after I was a year, a year and a half into my position at Behavioral Health, which funny, I work about a half a mile right down the street here the studio we're at right now. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, At least the main clinic that I cover is half a mile down the
0: road here, but all over the valley. We're in a sketchy area. (laughs) I had to tell him to take a left at the strip club, literally. But, uh, you know, this this is secure and locked up, this studio that I have here. So it works. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations on, honestly, it's just one of the reasons that I wanted to interview. I know because I try to interview actors and musicians and all this stuff, but I have nothing against interviewing anybody who's like doing cool things in their life or like they're trying to do something positive and they're promoting that health, healthy living. Cause I mean, artists, especially if you're out there listening, you all need some advice on healthy living, the alcohol, the drugs, you know, the bad lifestyle, all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's one Oh one, you know, you need to ditch that. But, um, so just congratulations on on your book and everything and, with everything that you're doing, I mean, damn. how does, how does it feel? I mean, you're, you're still pretty young. I, I don't know how, what are you like early thirties? 36. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, yeah, so, okay. Pretty yeah, close. We're, yeah. we're very similar in age, so I get it.
1: And thank you so much for that. And and I, I just want to speak a little bit more to that impetus because, you know, I, I feel like m- one of my main motivations was the fact that I was in such a unique position to write this book. So I felt like for lack of a better word, compelled, you know, because I know this is an important conversation I know it's timely. It pertains to so many of us. You know, everybody, I feel like, well, I hesitate to say everybody, but I would say most of us at one point or another are going to experience mental health disorders, whether it's, excuse me, maybe not disorder, at least some of the symptoms of. Sure. Uh, sure. More, more broadly speaking. And whether yeah. it's personally or it's our loved ones, it's our family, whatever. Everybody. Uh, oh, gosh.
0: So just to give you a quick, like, little story. So I work in healthcare. Um, And uh, I, a friend of mine is a counselor. She's, she's getting her counselor's degree and she's talking, she works with our our first responders and our firefighters and um, our police officers and all this stuff. And, you know, these are the people who are supposed to always be tough. You know, they see like, who wants to be the first, first one on the scene of an accident? Not me. You know, so you can imagine the things that you, that, that they see and that they deal with. And for the most part, they are told basically, you know, suck it up. You're, you're a firefighter, you're a man, or, you know, you're, you're whatever, like, don't even, don't even, you know, basically go there. And, you know, alcoholism is super high in these things. So is drug use. I mean, it's crazy, to, to, but, but it's true. So um, it's human to have problems from time to time. I mean, especially if, unless you're not paying attention to anything that's going on you know, especially having this pandemic happen and changing our lives literally overnight. I mean, I was in a completely different state doing a completely different thing. My life changed like that. I'm sure yours changed in a lot of ways too. We all have. So, it, I think that it, it's just you have to recognize that it, it is okay, you know, to not be okay sometimes, right?
1: And I want to thank you for just acknowledging what you just did in terms of like the the, the front line responders, because you know, as you just said, this has been exceptionally unique, not just for most all of us, but even Especially to the first extent. line responders, yeah. And you know that makes me think of something that I've seen emerge over this, you know, past year or two is, you know, uh, one thing is called trauma informed care. You know, so we, we need to start recognizing how is our past traumas, how is that affecting what we experience and what we feel today. You know, so now even I see a couple of dietitians. You know, there's one local dietitian, her name is Christy Estelle in Phoenix, and she's you know diving into the trauma informed care. So to me, it's fascinating, you know, um, because it, it's an important piece of the conversation that I haven't seen acknowledged until very recently. And, and, and even at work, you know, like I said, I, 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 well, just a little bit of a background here. Um, I, I work at one of the largest behavioral health organizations in Arizona, and I'm the first and only dietitian there. So that's also why I have a unique perspective, you know. So dietitians traditionally don't get trained in behavioral health, mental health. I was going to say
0: that's got to be a, a unique.
1: It's very. So that, that's, again, speaks to the impetus of my book and why I felt I needed to write this book because I was in such a unique position that many dietitians aren't to write this book. Um, You know, so, you know, we traditionally, we get trained, you know, there's guidelines with what do you do about diabetes? What do you do about cardiovascular disease, liver disease, kidney disease? You know, so we all understand those fundamentals, but there's just this void of guidelines. We don't have guidelines established for nutrition, for mental health yet. Again, I'm excited because I feel like that's around the corner. Hopefully in the next decade, we're going to get there. I feel like that evidence and those clinical trials are emerging to where we are building that consensus. So to me, that's another reason why I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation and help elevate this conversation any way I can with this book. And again, speaks to my impetus there. why right. I felt compelled yeah. perhaps more you than a, my, sure.
0: my my desire to write a book. You, know? you had a good <laughs> reason to do it. Yeah, I respect that. So, is there anything that you can say that you can talk about to, to what they're finding, maybe in terms of mental health and nutrition? Is there something specific, like are people deficient in things? Or, you know, like you, you did mention protein, you know, and, and one of the things that I see a lot in a lot of these kind of fad diets or these new diets is that, like, very low carb, very high protein. You know, oh, if you're, you know, if you work out or this or that, you want to have like a shitload of protein, right? That's they always say that protein, protein, protein. Well, how much do you weigh? One gram of protein for every frickin' pound, right? And I'm like, this was insane. <laughs> That's a lot, but um, are they finding anything in spe- specific that maybe like like a normal person maybe be able to uh, uh, understand? Yeah, I mean, you know, so
1: in terms of deficiencies, you know, I guess I'll start there, you know, with, you know, some of like the more troubling things that we see, you know, for example, this really struck me and this is hard to talk about this in my book because I didn't understand how it fit or certainly I'm not the expert, you know, so this is one of the harder areas was for me to talk about like serious mental illness, you know, um, psychotic disorders by um, schizophrenia. So those are some really challenging topics to talk about. As compared to the more common concerns like depression anxiety, anxiety. And depression and that's yeah. more relatable, right yeah. but let me start with some of like the key deficiencies that we see like um, at least when when we see like severe deficiencies of certain B vitamins like thiamine um, a few other B vitamins um, I believe folate b9 if I remember correctly so i don 't want to misstate that without re- <laughs> refreshing my memory my notes because sometimes I mix up the nutrients myself frankly. <laughs> There's a Uh, lot. But but there's at least a few of those (laughs) key B vitamins. What I'm saying here is that that severe deficiency can manifest as psychosis. So again, it's that chicken and egg question. Is some of the people experiencing some of those psychotic related disorders, is some of that root origin of that disorder coming from that severe deficiency? The answer is usually not that clear, and we can't say definitively yes. But again, it's a piece of the puzzle we got to talk about. We can't ignore
0: yeah, I mean, it's there's so many fat, you can't just focus on one thing in in terms of your health, in terms of your life and you know happiness and, and whatnot. Nutrition is one of those things. It's like I'm always trying to work on it personally myself, and i'm always I always feel like I'm coming up kind of short on it. I think because I drink so much green tea, but I don't put any sugar in it, and it's all alkaline, and it's just like i'm I, I convince myself that that's like my holy grail of health. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I wouldn't be concerned too much about it, frankly. I mean, you know, if it was more caffeinated tea, it might have other yeah, effects. Like I if you're it, drinking I'm black tea all day, that's a little more caffeinated. It might have some yeah. other yeah. other things does, to consider. I but. Do. I start getting
0: crazy thoughts and like you know running around without my shirt on and stuff. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, for me, caffeine really ups my anxiety. I'm an anxious person. Like I, I've, when I was in college, I took. Uh, was it the Meyer Briggs personality test they took? Because I was a psych major in college, it was like a 200 long question, and it measures like how much you know, like openness you have, neuroticism you have, uh, extroversion. There was a few other factors. I think the acronym was OCEAN: conscientiousness. I don't want to name all of them because I can't. I don't know exactly, but it, it basically rates you on how much of these things. And I rated pretty high on neuroticism, and I could have told him that already. It's just <laughs> like. And when I drink too much caffeine, like I can tell like right off the bat, my thoughts are racing a lot more. It's a lot harder for me to sleep at night, obviously, but even if I stop, I'm gonna stop drinking caffeine at two, right? Sometimes it's still at ten ten at night. I still am like, ah, oh, but it's like I freaking love green tea so much. so that's that's one of you know, one of the things that I try to try to watch out for, but I don't know. I, I, there's worse things, right?
1: <laughs> well, well, that's a piece of the conversation. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, frankly, sometimes I overlook the hydration piece, but it's so important. You know, sometimes yeah, I talk so much about food. is
0: making sure that you get enough water and stuff, you know? And, like, I don't know. Stress at the job, you know, everybody's got to be feeling stress at work. I don't know of anybody. Like, I got friends who work at Costco, obviously friends who work in healthcare. care. Uh, anybody in the service industry, oh, my God, right? I mean – Having actually anything that has to do with dealing with the public at this point, which is like 90% of jobs, you know, is feeling some stress. I, and I've seen articles on NPR about over-drinking, uh, over just like, you know, the pandemic itself has, has brought on all, a lot of these stressors and things like that. So is there any advice maybe you could give to people to deal with that, in, like maybe through nutrition or something like that to kind of get them back on track? I, I, I guess I
1: sometimes have a hard time with that question just because my recommendations are very individualized. You know, So what I mean by that is I don't necessarily have a one-size-fits-all diet. But more importantly, I would say it's what is it that you're lacking or what is it that you're maybe having way too much of in your diet? So I kind of have to assess that to the individual before I make the best recommendation Um, But I guess more broadly speaking, what can most all of us do better? (laughs) That's maybe an easier way to answer that question. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say most all of us can eat more fiber broadly, but where we're getting that fiber is from different fruits, different vegetables, different whole grains, legumes, those nuts and, or excuse me, the beans and lentils and soy tofu products, those are the legume family. And then nuts and seeds. All those foods give us uh, different sources of fiber. And that's a key piece of the conversation with gut health and mental health is that enough of fiber and various sources of fiber. You know, so I, I want to unpack that later. Um, but yeah, I don't want to jump into a tangent right now. I don't know. Oh, okay, no, you're fine.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard many good things about fiber and, um, you know, making sure that you get enough of it. What you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play like just the 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 layman here, because I've tried a lot of diets and a lot of stuff like that sometimes too, but I can never get them to stick. You know, part of it, you know, is a big psychology thing. You know, like losing weight. You know, some people do it and then they're successful for a bit. I had a friend who lost a hundred pounds, man, in like a year. He did it like crash course diet. I'm only eating like 1,600 calories a day for like a year. And somehow the man did it, right? Gained it all back. Yeah. All I, of it. Yeah. I hear that too so, often, I mean, unfortunately. It's, so, it's such like, for me, it's such a psychological element to the foods that we eat. You know what I mean? And I, it's like, we all want to feel good. We all want to go towards pleasure and avoid suffering pain that's just the, that's human condition that's just how we are right so i think a lot of us eat emotionally and a lot of us go towards those junk foods and those things that have you know they're. i know they have food scientists that make this stuff that they make it specifically addicting just how all oh, the crunchiness of these chips and like the amount of salts to this and that and the other so they we're already outgunned the scientists have beat us to like they you know we eat it and like holy shit this is like great even though it's so bad for us. We keep going to it. So if, like, say you're a person and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to start eating healthy, right? I'm going to get rid of all kind of the things that I know that I shouldn't be eating and eat more of the things that I know that I should eat, right? Is there, do you have any tips to how to maintain that or to get through the times when you have cravings when you're like I have to eat some cheesecake right now get out of my way you know yeah yeah i first love
1: that you acknowledge the psychological piece cuz i feel like that's one of the big conundrums of my job is that it makes it so i don't have any straightforward easy answers and what works great for your neighbor might be bad advice for you of course for, so it's very it,
0: individualized like you said
1: so, yeah. you know, in that anecdote you just gave about your friend who lost 100 pounds, then he gained it all back. What comes to my mind when I hear that, because I've worked with people like that, you know, is, is uh, all or nothing. You know, so maybe that person, they're 100 percent committed and their abstinence of certain foods, which I would push back on and say nine times out of 10 is not the right approach. Um, you know, so it, 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 sometimes I struggle with that, helping that person that wants to completely abstain from those foods. And that's where I'd push back a little bit when you said, um, what did you say, something along the lines of, what food should I swear off or never touch again? That's where I'd push back and say, well, the more important piece is probably the addition. And I think psychologically, it helps us, or it's a little bit easier to focus on what can we add to our diet and give that some more weight of importance versus the subtraction and the abstaining from those, quote unquote, bad foods, right, which I don't want to label them that, but a lot of the folks I talk to want to label
0: them that way. Mm. So you're talking about kind of just relating relating to it in a completely different way rather than being like, I can't have this. I can never have this. We're done. Why Why do you keep eating it, you fat idiot? Stop doing it. You know, like the self-talk that we have that really destroys us. I mean, we we just say, oh, like I I even just said, it, like I've tried many diets and I've not ever been able to stick with them. Um, and it's because... Like you said, it's black and white. It's like you either are like my friend. He was a hundred percent committed. Like he had a counter on his phone, and when he got to that certain number of calories, no matter how hungry he was, he didn't eat anything. You know, so it was the most restrictive and most disciplined thing that I'm like, man, I res- I don't know how you're doing that, but I, you know, God bless you. And then, because it is so restrictive, you can't maintain it. You know, and maybe you say, I'm going to do this for a year. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, once you get to the end of the tunnel, then it's like. Well, maybe now I can have a little. And then, well, I'll get back on the train. I'm just going to eat whatever the hell I want. And then a couple months go by, and the next thing you know, the pounds are coming back on. And then you're like, well, <laughs> I guess. Screw I'll, it. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, you know, I can't do it, you know, or whatever. So I love that. Um, moderation is basically what you're talking about. And making sure, is, would you advocate, I've heard this before, would you advocate a food journal?
1: for some folks you know i, I feel like it, it really depends on where you're at in your journey and how in, in, invested or engaged you are in these healthful changes i would say to somebody who's maybe brand new and never made healthful changes and they've probably always ate an unhealthful diet you know it, it's where it's more exploratory and a learning experience that person might do really well with that because it's very insightful and it opens your you know mind up to the possib- or the relationship you know, so
0: in terms of the cause or what you're eating yeah. and how it's impacting being mindful of it. Like I always, when I first started, um, getting my finances and stuff in order, the biggest thing that helped me was simply understanding where my money was going. That that was it. So like when it, the first time that I started to actually do that and say, I can't believe I'm spending this much money on Starbucks or I can't believe I spent this much money on just junk. Uh, and then knowing exactly where my money was going, I started feeling better about it. And they're like, okay, well, now I have some extra, you know, I've, I've, I've set aside money so I can go out and be an idiot with it. But I know that I set this money aside to do it. I, it's not like I'm just, oh, I don't know how much I'm spending. I'm just going, going, going. So I think a lot of it is like that with, with eating, at least it is for, for, for me sometimes. So when I'm like, oh, my God, how many donuts did I have today? Three? Well, I could have four. I'll, I'll go for four, you know. But no, I mean, like, just being able to know, like, to realize, because sometimes we're so busy, and we just, we're not mindful of anything. We're not mindful of how much water we're drinking or what foods we're putting into our body. You're like, we ask you, you know, what did you have for lunch yesterday? You'd be like, oh, hold on, let me think about it. Was it Chick-fil-A or was it Jimmy John? I can't remember. It's one of those, right? It's like, so... Like being a little bit more mindful, I think, just towards the approach at, at all would be helpful for me. I've been trying to get myself to do the journal, the journal thing for a long time. But anytime I find a way to measure something in my own life, I have a metric so I can see when I get better. Or I can see when I really messed up, you know. And I think that probably is
1: the biggest utility or the take home there is the mindfulness aspect of it. You know, so some folks that do the food journaling can find benefit of it because it's simply going to help them be more mindful. Um, And again, I think that's another word that probably is really, you know, maybe tried or or, or cliche, but it's very powerful, I would say.
0: It's true. Mindfulness, I mean, yeah. Everybody's studying mindfulness. You type that in in Amazon, look at the books. You know, it's all there. But it's powerful. It's, it is. And it's, it's, it's simple. If you don't like the word mindfulness, it's just awareness. Just being con- like cognizant of, like, what the hell's going on? Are you standing out in the rain and you don't even realize it? <laughs> like, yes, I am. Maybe I should get an umbrella. You know, it's just, you know, kind of common uh, sensical uh, sort of stuff, you know, that approach.
1: And then, then, you know, maybe just, I guess, to add to that is, you know, maybe, maybe again, journaling is not for everybody, you know, so I I don't ask a lot of my clients. if you're high
0: on the neuroticism scale, that sort of stuff will probably really tickle your brain because it's kind of like trying to control stuff. And that's what neuroticism, I think, comes from is trying to control things you can't control. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So if you're neurotic like I am, maybe try the journal. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah, that, And I can identify with that because I, I would have to say that I'm probably on the uh, that end of the scale where I tend to be a little more neurotic about things. Yeah. A lot of people are. Uh, so
0: I don't I don't feel so bad. But yeah, it, you know, it's that degree of how bad is it? You know, a little neuroticism keeps you on track, you know, and too much of it will put you in the hospital. <laughs> sure. <laughs> And maybe just to add to that, you know, because for the
1: other folks that maybe don't identify and would not want to take the time to journal, you know maybe think more broadly about it in terms of the eighty twenty principle, you know, so I don't What's have a, that exactly I don't have a whole lot of uh, science to back this up, so this is more like a, you know I guess my own personal philosophy. Um, and what I strive for in my own diet is that if I can load myself up with 80% of the time, roughly those nu- nutrient-dense, you know, mostly whole foods, high fiber, yeah. balanced nutrition, roughly 80% of the time, then 20% of the time it doesn't really matter what I eat, frankly. Now, granted, I've struggled with that in this past year, and you know, I want to at least admit that emotional eating is a real thing, and even dietitians deal with it, you know, some, and especially this past year, I've had more emotional eating than I ever in my life You're prior. Sure
0: right? I mean, you're a human being.
1: So, right. Yeah. Even though I understand the, the relationship a lot more than your average person, I st- I'm not immune to it. And part of that is the psychological piece. Sometimes maybe it's we're filling a void. Maybe we are numbing ourselves to something we're dealing with in that moment. So sometimes, you know, it's, o- it's perfectly okay to eat that quote unquote unhealthy food, which again, I push back on that label, but people can identify with what I'm saying. We know
0: what you- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's great information. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, um, like I, I, I said, this is, uh, I didn't really know how to approach this interview because I've never interviewed uh, a nutritionist before, but, uh, one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to was because, like I said in the beginning, um, I think we had similar, uh, upbringings. Like we went to the same grade school. We hung around with some of the same people, and a lot of the things uh like i said I, you know we didn't i didn't see, i don't know about i can only speak for myself personally but um you know there's a lot of drinking a lot of drug use a lot of stuff you know growing up around and um i don't know what happened to those people but i you know i certainly i don't really hear or talk to them but what would you say made you decide to not go that route and to do something much more productive and and beneficial for the for yourself and obviously for for society, like how did you make that shift in your head? yeah you know i, I suppose it was really from
1: that lack of direction and lack of academic seriousness that I had growing up. You know, I never took school yeah. seriously oh, I was the same way I yeah. was getting by, I was content with C's b's and c's whatever just to get by, so that was kind of me up until finishing high school even in my early community college days when i was undecided it wasn't really that valuable or important to I me mean, i was just doing it because i knew i kind of needed to do it right. that was my sentiment in those early days yeah. so i feel like once i was finishing up my time and i had i began to crystallize my 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 intention and my my what i wanted to accomplish in school i was beginning to understand that in my mid you know middle of the days in community college And then I'd finally decided on dietetics, and I I, I suddenly realized how critically important it was academics, you know, the significance of academics. I would say I didn't really appreciate until my first semester at at Arizona State University. You know, when I entered university is when I really realized, okay, this is expensive. This is requiring a lot of my time and energy. Don't mess around here. Yeah. Yeah, You know, high school. and I spent two years in community college in remediation. You know, so I spent the first couple years catching up with all the classes I should have done in high school. So it was all starting to make sense. And I realized how important academics was. Plus, you know, I, I picked something that was... Not just a passion I was growing for, but it was a, a, an opportunity to connect with anybody, you know, to help yeah. people. And that's really important because that's passion, that's growth, that's contribution. So I feel like it was just maybe one extreme to the other. You Were know, you kind of always like that? You always liked helping people? or mm, I, I can't say that really crystallized until like my early college years yeah. and finding an opportunity with fitness. And then that's
0: when it really started to kind of develop and full right. speed from there. Important. God bless community colleges. And I'm, I, I have a very similar story. You know, I started at GCC myself. And I remember the first classes that I took was Psych 101 and Black and White Photography 101. And I loved both classes. And I, 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 I couldn't believe they actually let me <laughs> into the school because I barely graduated high school. But that psychology class changed everything for me. It was like I saw a path, you know, away from, just towards something that had growth, that had potential, that had some goodness, and it had some positivity, and it was all up to me at that point to just really just put in the work, you know. Um, so I would say to anybody out there who's looking to make a change, I'm looking to make a change, you know, in terms of my career. I mean, what I love to do is music and acting. I love doing this podcast, but I also have to pay the bills, right? as an artist, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we all want to be able to do this full time, but for a lot of us, we're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, the radiology stuff pays for that. But I'm honestly thinking about right now, because my situation has changed so much of like maybe going back and doing another, you know, I have two freaking bachelor's degrees and two associates degrees and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, the community college has new things and new certificates and stuff. It's like, Constantly learning. And man, when I started to do that, because I have been in a funk, like I was, ta- I was telling you about this, like kind of being in a funk with everything that's going on. The second I had a clear goal, I wanted to eat healthier. I wanted to get out more. I wanted to con- connect with more people. This, so Jason and I have both been vaccinated. So we're doing this interview in person without masks on, which honestly, this is the first time I've done this, I think in a year, to sit down with somebody you know, without a mask on. And like, just so thank God, you know, God bless science. God bless. The <laughs> I, I second the that. And, and, and
1: it's so nice to be here with you in person because it, it, it seems like some gradual return to a sense of normalcy. But normalcy. So and appreciate. I think that that will help a lot
0: with depression and with anxiety, you know, and moving forward and stuff like that. So what is on the plate for, uh, the plate for you uh, in your future? Like, where are you going from here? So you wrote your book. First off, how can we get your book? Is it we can get it on your website? Uh, um, it is linked there, yes. Um, um, for
1: you know some folks that you know preferred uh, some of the more mainstream sources. It's also available Barnes and Noble online and Amazon online. Um, in terms of physical bookstores. I've only been able to connect with the Arizona bookstore so far. Um, so outside of Arizona, I don't believe it's available in any bookstores, except if it's Barnes and Nobles, you can go request that at your local and they can pull it up and order a copy at any uh, Barnes, from my understanding. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Bookman's, uh, uh, Changing Hands bookstores, and the local uh, uh, Barnes and Nobles in Arizona. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So what, what's, on the, what's on the plate now for your future? What, what do you plan on doing
1: Honestly, I struggle with that question. You know, I've been asked it a few times as a new author, but I don't really have a clear answer there. You know, I feel like this is such an exciting journey and it's, I'm still brand new as an author. So, you know, my challenge is really just getting the word out there, you know, trying to extend my platform so I can find the people that need or want to read my book. Yeah. So
0: that's... Well, at least 10 million people are going to buy a copy now that you're on this podcast. Yeah, so would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, um... Yeah, I, is, this is, I, uh, everybody struggles with that, you know, the, the same thing. I would suggest, just off the top of my head, because, you know, you are obviously so passionate about this and so uh, capable of talking about it, um, is once, you know, things start opening up more, is doing some sort of, like, speaking events and things of that nature, like going around and trying to, you know, some of these uh, venues and things that will be opening up. To kind of you know that would be cool. I'd go see it.
1: That's de- I, I appreciate that, and th- you know that's definitely my intention, and you know something I've wanted to do. But you know I published at a challenging time where those opportunities just weren't really there, <laughs> in this there. early <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. know hopefully around the corner, you know we can open up those opportunities. But you know I haven't really considered what is the, what are those opportunities at this point yet.
0: Yeah, I mean it's kind of like you know you create stuff and you pu- you kind of put it out there and you just kind of see what see what's what. Right.
1: It, it, and, and frankly, I, I've never been so, I guess, not worried about that because I feel like this is such it's a timely and a, a widely appealing book. So I feel like as long as I keep working hard and I stay focused on what's important here, then I know opportunities are going to present themselves. Um, so I I, I, I I guess I'm trying not to plan too much, maybe because I've been so meticulous with my planning in the past. I know this is just a unique time and a pivotal time for me. So I'm just kind of letting it play out naturally because you know why I ended up in mental health and behavioral health was more serendipity. I frankly had no idea of even the possibility of a dietitian working in behavioral health until I stumbled upon the position and I applied for it after I left my initial um, position. My first position as a dietitian at Yuma Regional Medical Center. So I moved back to my hometown and the funny thing is I had my heart set on renal dietetics. I was gonna work in a dialysis clinic because I wanted to focus on a challenging, unique population. But the funny thing is, on my way out of Yuma, most of my colleagues essentially talked me out of my decision. So I feel like I, I, I was given a lot of warnings, like, Jason, do you really think you're going to you know, make a difference and really want to be in that environment, and yada, yada? So I really, it really kind of shook me up and challenged or, or made me rethink what I had my heart set on. And I'm so glad, because I feel like that... Shaking, shaking me up and coming back with my lost direction suddenly is what made me stumble upon this behavioral health position. And I was like, I suddenly realized, well, this might be exactly what I'm looking for. I wanted to, instead of focusing on five or six challenging populations as I was doing in Yuma, you know, it was everything and more I could have asked for professionally. But I wanted to hone my clinical skills on one challenging population and not feel like I was juggling multiple at the time um, simultaneously. So that's when I... Hey, you know, I, I call it serendipity. Is how I kind of stumbled upon this position, and then it, it all made sense moving forward from there.
0: That's awesome. That's kind of how you know. What do they say? Life is what happens to you when you're when you when you're making plans. You know, when your plans don't don't happen. You know, when you you're like, what the hell? You know, like uh, you know what's going on here. And then you stop. You realize, hey, there's some things going on here. Maybe I should be paying more attention to. And then the next thing you know, your life is completely different. So. Well, great, man. That's really awesome, and it's really great to see that you, you know, are passionate about this stuff, and that you're moving forward with your life, and you're doing these things. And uh, yeah, man, my hat, my hat off to you. Much respect. So, you have. I was looking at your website. You can schedule like a counseling session with you, right? Yeah, th- that's kind of some of the groundwork. But to be
1: honest, I have not really expanded much into my private practice. I feel like I'm kind of going to kinda... get 10 million people <laughs> who are going to be calling you up. Dude, dude I need
0: to I need a plan.
1: You know? So that's kind of me laying the groundwork, you know, because understand this is essentially like a second full time position outside of my main full time work. So, you know, it often doesn't get the energy and, and, and time that I intend to put into my blog, for example, keeping up my website. Search engine optimization, all that fun uh, stuff, right? I've heard you speak about it. Yeah, it, I
0: took Stan. <laughs> I took. Uh, I've taken two classes for that, and it's by the same guy, Jason McDonald. He does it through Stanford. He's like the guy, the guy, right? And the classes are cool. Like he does a fantastic job of the classes, but it is so boring. It's it's like all keywords, and it, it's just it's not easy, you know. Getting your name out there and getting noticed for anything. It's like you might have a better chance of like lighting a fart on fire and put it on YouTube, <laughs> rather than like, oh, I went and studied, I got a PhD in this. Look at all like all this awesome helpful stuff for you. And people are like, ah, whatever, you know. Almost it's feels like,
1: like a job in itself, just navigating yeah, and understanding just, that SEO yeah. and the website marketing and all that fun stuff, which yeah, I never bargained yeah. myself for. But yeah, that's why I, the
0: you learn, right? Yeah. You learn some things, and uh, you just keep going. I think it's just a matter of like making sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. And even if you don't get really the response that, you know, we all want the the movie version of like, Oh, this, you know, you put it out there and the next thing you know, like overnight, it's like, a, it's like a huge thing. It's like, you just got to make sure that you love what it is that you do. And it's obviously that you do that. So you don't have the counseling thing going on just yet. <laughs> Can I get you to get that going? Can we get a <laughs> commitment to you here? Because that would, I, I think that would be really awesome to just be able to like, Sit down with you or to sit down with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Like, here's my situation. This is my lifestyle. This is the things that I would like to change, you know, and how can nutrition help me on that. And how can, how can I get on that, you know, sort of path? Yeah. I I
1: appreciate that little bit of push there. I really (laughs) do because, you know, that's probably just what I need. And, um, you know, so, you know, my intention is hopefully, let's say by the end of the year, I can start beginning to offer that.
0: All right. (laughs) Now you got to remind me, because if you do this by the end of the year, I'll be your, I'll probably be your first client. I appreciate that. But you got to remind, you got to say, Hey, look, I got this shit set up, you know, send me a text to be like, okay, all right. Okay, I appreciate Um, that. Yeah, because it's it's definitely something, uh, an area of my life. I I was like doing all kinds of working out and all kinds of stuff during the pandemic as well. I put on all kinds of weight. I don't know if it was muscle. (laughs) I don't think it was like at first, and then now I'm like, dude, I'm just eating like a pig. It's like dirty bulk or you know whatever. Now I'm just like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm going back to normal. Like we don't we don't need to turn into an animal, you know. So I'm just you know, I'm always trying to find you know better ways of just of doing every day. So, and it sounds like, you know, a session with you would be, uh, the way to go. I appreciate that. that. Yes. And and I'll work on it, but you know, I feel like (laughs) the reason why I haven't began to,
1: I guess, get there yet is because I've just been so spread so thin with the book and navigating that all outside of my full-time work. So it's, that's why I've just, I feel like I've just laid the, the, the foundational, the foundation there i feel like so yeah. now it's moving forward with starting to yeah make myself more available that i have not yet
0: for the like the entrepreneurial side of whatever you know that you're doing i would say the speaking events and the personal coaching side like you know life i don't know kind of sounds similar to what you're doing is kind of similar to life coaching i don't know if you've looked into that or getting a certificate in that or anything like that but that's something that I think would go really hand in hand that it's it's like psychology, but it's it's not it's like counseling, but it's not. It's just more of like 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 life goals and and things of that of that nature. And to have like the background that you do with the mental health and then with the nutrition, it's like you kind of are, you know, encompassing all of the elements, I think, into this holistic sort of view on locking yourself in. I would say like one of the main pieces of the
1: narrative with the whole food mood link is the gut brain axis. Okay. So Maybe, we, maybe yeah. we need to touch on that a little Go ahead. bit. Since, um, so the
0: gut brain axis. Yeah. Okay.
1: So that might be a weird term to some folks and even weirder term might be our second brain, right? So let's, let's talk about that, right? <laughs> that can yes. freak some people out, That's especially when I say it in group therapy, there's always a couple people that just seem a little weirded out by that so when you, you say group therapy, that's something that you, you do with your, with your job. Let me be careful here because I, I'm not a therapist. You know, so again, I'm, I'm a clinical dietitian, but I work side by side with therapists, with psychiatrists, with psychiatric nurse practitioners. So these people that are managing you know, the, the psychiatric medications, the group counseling, the one-on-one counseling, I work side by side by them right down the street and at various clinics around Phoenix. And again, being the only dietitian in the company, I, it's a unique opportunity to connect with many different mental health professionals within that organization. So I'm so grateful to have had, been given the opportunity to join all these awesome therapists as a guest speaker in SOP and IOP, which is standard outpatient groups and intensive outpatient groups. And then I also go once a month to inpatient rehab where people go to get clean and sober for a month. So I get to go and have a discussion with them once a month. And that's a different, awesome opportunity in itself. And there are different dynamics, that outpatient versus that inpatient, totally different feeling and um, experience I get from those. Um, But, you know, I've spent roughly probably 130 hours estimate in group therapy as a guest speaker. Um, but funny to that, I've never just until this past week, I went and established my own one-on-one working with the therapist just to kind of begin that experience, you know, cause I don't want to just be in the industry and organization, but never fully address my own condition. So for sure. concern. So, you know, I just want to disclose that, that I'm finally making that bridge to address some of my own one-on-one with the therapist, but I have that more diverse experience sitting next to a therapist and joining that conversation. So that's, awesome opportunity I've had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So what is the second brain? (laughs) So um,
1: what we're talking about here is mainly the gut-brain axis. So we're talking about that strong connection, which we can call it almost like a a highway of communication between our digestive tract, uh, primarily our small intestine and our large intestine, that is so strongly innervated or there's you know hundreds of millions of ner- neurons nerve cells that that encapsulate and surround and are we could say hidden within our intestinal tract and that is connected directly to our main brain wow so some researchers are calling it our second brain which is our digestive tract that is In direct communication via these neurotransmitters and these hormones that regulate our mood, our energy, our sleep, our sex drive, you name it, our stress, you know, that's all impacted by our neurotransmitters and our hormones. But it's such a fascinating conversation because, you know, A, the science is just booming and exponentially growing in this past one to two decades about understanding the gut brain axis on a deeper, more intimate level. So again, that was part of my impetus is you know this is a such a key piece of the conversation is understanding that digestive tract health and that communication between our brain um, but it's just booming recently as of recently, so frankly, a lot of doctors are out of touch with this research. you know this might be confusing, or maybe even a lot of medical practitioners never heard that term before
0: I've never heard it sure, yeah, so that's fascinating, so they're thinking that. Because there's so much neurological stuff going on within your gut that it's only logical that it's related or connected to uh, your brain. (laughs)
1: Right, right. In in, in other words, you know, and this is very broadly speaking, um, you know, so what is harmful for our digestive health and and, and, and kind of disrupts our normal digestive function over time more than likely is probably going to disturb our mental well-being, our brain health. So, whether that's mediated and explained through chronic inflammation is a big piece of that conversation. Right. Um, you know, so also it's just getting enough of those building blocks that we need those different amino acids through the proteins, those um, fibers to help fuel those healthy bacteria in our gut because those different strains of bacteria in our gut they produce key neurotransmitters, whether GABA, dopamine, serotonin different beneficial strains within our gut, they help build up those neurotransmitters. And right. some vitamins are even produced within our tract. Um, uh, so, but it's also a key piece of our immune system, you know, so roughly three quarters of our immune system all resides within our intestinal tract. So it's not just that link and protecting our brain health for the long being, but there's also that big question, and I got to say question, because a lot of this is theoretical here, you know, so really to be careful how I approach this, but when over long periods of time, when we don't take care of our digestive tract, and let's say we kill off a lot of those healthy strains of bacteria, and then we don't have that protective layer on top of that physical layer uh, of those bacteria. So that's that protective layer. And they, they literally, they, they form like an extra boundary that protects that physical lining of our gut. So they also produce mucus, you know, so there, there's just that extra layer of protection, so to speak, and a lot of that is our immune system. But when we, again, don't fuel that, we don't give our body and our digestive tract those building blocks, we are essentially opening up the door to potentially autoimmune diseases. And again, that's theoretical, so I really gotta be careful there, but it's fascinating. Because again, it's just that, that question of, you know, are the vast majority of these people experiencing so many autoimmune disorders, and, and it's just exploded in prevalence these past couple decades, is that directly related to that poor gut health that has manifested over years, right? And, and essentially broken down that physical barrier that separates our blood from the germs and the pathogens that shouldn't be there. So when we break that down physically and kill off the healthy bacteria in our gut, we're essentially opening up the
0: door, again, theoretically, to those autoimmune disorders. And killing healthy bacteria, you mean, like, from taking too many antibiotics? That's one piece Possibly, of the conversation.
1: Or... You know, and, and let me be careful there because, you know, sometimes my people might hear that and say,
0: oh, antibiotics are bad. No. Right. They're life-saving, frankly. They you know, so <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not go of there. Of course, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, I know a lot of times some stuff gets prescribed maybe when it, maybe they're over, being over-prescribed. Like, I remember when I was, like, 18 years old, they gave me doxycycline for acne, mm-hmm. which is... a a pretty strong antibiotic because they're like, oh, it's probably, you know, it's this, that, or the other. And I took it for a while and it's just like, it's probably, you know, I'm going to take this for the rest of my life. I mean, this is not, this is not a a smart way to approach it, I don't think, you know? So, um, uh, and obviously uh, also maybe uh, uh, the foods and stuff that you eat can kill, can kill bacteria, correct? Or or
1: contribute to and help the healthy strains.
0: Right. Like probiotics, Things, things fibers. Like, and then the fibers, fibers that's fibers. where
1: I said it's a key piece of this conversation. So those fibers, are, what fiber is, is it's an undigestible type of carbohydrate. So it's that, those comple- really complex carbs that we can't digest, but those healthy, friendly bacteria, they can. They need it. It's their fuel. That's why it's called Prebiotics. So, I've never heard of prebiotics. Yeah, everybody's heard of probiotics, right? It's so say, popular I thought, uh, yeah, lately.
0: Probiotics is like, oh, yeah, it's everywhere, but never heard of prebiotics.
1: That's that other piece of the conversation, arguably more important here, really? I would say. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, um, so. Are we eating again? It comes back to that diversity of whole foods, plant based foods, and that balanced diet, right? We're not going to eat it all the time. And it's okay if you eat some donuts and a little bit of pizza, but if you're filling up on those foods, that's probably going to be
0: a problem over time. You define a little bit of pizza, <laughs> not like an entire Grimaldi's pizza. You shouldn't eat all that. <laughs> okay. So I got some work to do on myself. Um, that's okay. That's very, very fascinating. So, anything else in terms of like maybe new discoveries or new things that are on the verge, or I've I've heard of the grain. Uh, I'm sorry, the brain gut connection and and things of, of that nature. Anything I'm gonna go out completely outside of the box, but anything with like stem cells. <laughs> Oh, you know, I
1: I can't say I've really looked into that too much myself, so I don't think I'm really qualified to speak enough on that. I'm just that curious
0: and, if maybe you had heard anything about it, because that's, a, like, all the rage and a lot of, like, medical developments and a lot of stuff like that. I didn't know if they were in some way using it. I don't know, like, you know, like, for people who have, you know, issues with that, you know, or, like regrowing the healthy stuff or I don't know.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I can't say from an objective scientific perspective that I've ever really dived into that research and understood it from that perspective, you know, versus just hearing some anecdotes and some clips here and there that makes me, you know, come up with my own biases. But again, I try to separate that and only talk more about the objective science aspect of it. And I don't feel like I'm qualified to really talk to
0: that frankly. I understand. Yeah, that was, that's science fiction stuff I'm just, you know, thinking about. But uh, I I respect the fact, you know, a lot of times people don't, you know, they'll just go off and on and on and on and on. But you're like, no, you know, I got to make sure I, I live within the confines of science and what I can actually speak to. So that's, I, I really respect that. That's, that's really good. So anything else in terms...
1: I guess just to kind of drive home the importance of, of chronic inflammation and trying to prevent that through not just a healthy balanced diet, uh, but managing our stress, sleeping enough, um, physical activity, you know, so all those things play into chronic inflammation. And, and again, I think those are two of the key pieces of this whole food mood link and nutrition for mental health is that gut brain axis, but then the infl- inflammation, which is again, linked to those various sources of bacteria in our in our diet or in our gut. But the chronic inflammation is such a big piece of the conversation. So, you know, I, I feel like we, we can't if, afford to ignore that. You know, so, you know, some, some things that people might look into is like the Mediterranean diet, the anti-inflammatory diet, you know, even the DASH diet is a little bit more maybe Americanized friendly, for example. Um, but those are just some... Healthy m- dietary models or pattern patterns, you know, model patterns, I suppose. Just kind of like a, a, a guidelines. Right, you know, I don't like to call them diets, even though they have that label on there, because I feel like diet that word has a it's negative a connotation. Yeah, it's triggers.
0: restrictive. Yeah. It's it's fattish. Bok know? choy so- and lime juice for the rest <laughs> of your life. I get it. Yeah. So. Can you say those diets one more time? You said Mediterranean. Uh, A few
1: models that I talked about in my Mm -hmm. book that I often recommend would be the Mediterranean diet, the anti-inflammatory diet. For folks who want to go more strictly whole foods plant-based, that might be like the power plate. You know, that's more of like a vegan, you know, strictly whole foods plant-based model for that that person to look at. Yeah. (laughs) Or but. the DASH diet, is, my, I guess. I feel like that's a little bit more maybe Americanized, standard American diet friendly, at least more maybe American workable friendly. for other folks. Is DASH, is that an acronym or? Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. Oh. So it's just this this, this model balanced diet that we've established that, again, is mostly whole foods plant-based, but has lesser amounts of dairy, lesser amounts of meat. So it's, it's, it's controlling and essentially prescribing how much is enough and not too much. Um, but but that's something I don't remember who originally started it. Maybe like the American Heart Association or one of our main agencies, if I'm not mistaken. You know they yeah often recommend that for general heart health and blood pressure management. But
0: I've I've heard of like cardiac diets and stuff in the hospital and whatnot, but I, I'd never heard that uh, dash before. Oh. Well, that's ac- incredibly helpful information. So thank you for that. And um, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on to this show. I mean, uh, taking the time out of your day and uh, sharing with us what you know. And I think it's, I think it's very helpful. I, I mean, I feel like I've learned, uh, you know, an awful lot. So how, what's the best way for people if they want to look you up on the internet? Uh, is it your website or do you have any other handles that's easy to find you at?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, so the website again is foodsforthoughtrd.com. And then um, and, and uh, in terms of social media, you know, the one that I try to stay most active on is Instagram. You know, I haven't really Branched out, and I haven't caught up with the times with TikTok. You know, maybe I'll cave in and start creating those videos at home, but I'm not there yet. I mean,
0: TikTok is like, I, honestly, it's like walking into a casino, man. It's just like lights and video. You're like, what the hell is going on? Is your Instagram handle still a Mental Health underscore Nutritionist? Correct. Okay, <laughs> I will put links to all of Jason's stuff in uh, the bio on the website, and you can reach out to him if you have any questions. I'm sure he'd love to answer it. And then when he gets his counseling service up and running. You know it would be a good good idea, I think. Um, and like I said, I'll be your first uh, your first dude um, when you get it up and going. you said by the end of the year, so you got you got a little bit of time, but you know, not too much, you got to get on it. But you have accomplished an awful lot, so with your book and everything. So congratulations again, and congratulations on you know just being a good human being. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Brandon. That means so much to me and to be here with you today and just to join this conversation. And what an honor because I've enjoyed every single episode that you've released
0: thus far. So it's just an honor to be here to add to that episode. And Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, thank you. you've pushed me to get this going again and you're my first interview back. So uh, you really did help me out a lot more than you probably think. So thank you. Thanks, and Jason. All right. all right. My, you've got it. <laughs> Hey, what's up, people? Just really quickly wanted to add, if there's anybody out there who would like to be interviewed for this podcast or has any comments or questions or concerns that they would like to address with me, feel free to reach out. My email is fraehl at gmail.com. That's fraehl at gmail.com. You could also leave me a comment. Also, if you're in the area of Phoenix, please stay tuned on my website for show dates, concert dates. Play dates, actor dates, anything. If you just want to hang out with me, I'd like to hang out with you. Yeah, just check it out. It's all on the site. B R A E H L.com. That's B R A E H L.com. Goodbye for reals.